There, there were things, there have been things that I've been told in life that really were like whammo and that affected me greatly. For example, when I was in seventh grade, I was a late bloomer. So all the other guys were becoming, you know, really tall, and I was really, really short. Um, in college, I've told you this before, I grew a whole suit size in college. I, and as a freshman, I started off at 36. I graduated college at 38. So I wasn't, I was, you know, it just took me a while. I was a late bloomer. So, but they had these names for me that they loved to throw out. Um, you know, Dork was one of them. Um, I wrote it down from my uh, yearbook. Short Stuff was the preferred one. Hey, Short Stuff. Whew. You know, it, I may be short, but I'm scrappy. Okay, and, and, but every time, every time one of the things, you know, dork, short stuff, I felt the effect of those words, those phrases. I felt, I felt it. Um, as an adult, recently, I shared this with you, I got a call from a lady, um, and she was talking, to, we were talking about church in America, and she was just getting really excited about our conversation and really into it, and she's like, man, you know all this stuff, and this is great, and then she said, well, tell me, about your church. How big is your church? And I said, well, I don't know. I think it's a little over 100. Pause. And then you hear, oh, which I took to mean to be not a good thing, (laughs) as if, you know, maybe 500 was better. I don't know. So, and then I felt that for like a few hours afterward. Um, But I've also been on the receiving end of good stuff, like Mr. Fisk, my high school band director. Um, I remember the time he told me, he said, Mark, because that's what they called me back then. Um, Mark, you're a good saxophonist, but really you have, you have the potential to be a great leader if you really work on it. Oh, really? Tell me more. Um, you know, and it was, you, you know, you have too. And, and then, now that I'm a grown-up, <laughs> there are things that I've said that I sure wish I hadn't. Oh, Lord. Um, in fact, in marriage land, anytime Jenny and I are going to have a knockdown, drag-out fight, this will come up and it will be used against me. When we were dating... Um, we had this um, idea of how much time should a dating couple spend in a given week. And there was what I thought, and then there was what Jenny thought, and they were different. And so, um, you know, I spent, you know, I spent more time than I thought, and I got a B in one of my classes, and I said to her once at the end of the semester, you know, I got a B in Isaiah, Isaiah class, a class on the book of Isaiah, because of you. I know. It's been 20 years, and that will still come out if it's, you know, knock down, drag out, <laughs> You know, and it's like a dart to my soul. I wish I had never said that. Um, I've said to one of my kids, uh, man, you're such a jerk. And I, oh, I know. A dad says, see, these words come out. I said that, you know, I just wanted to put that. I can't believe I said that. But then I, I've said to one of my kids, uh, I've told Jillian uh, more than once, you are so generous and empathetic. You really care about, you've got a heart for people. You are going to be an absolutely incredible woman someday, and mom, and wife for somebody. They're going to be so lucky. Really? Yes, really. Um, and so, there it is. You, you've heard the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? That is the biggest load. That is a lie. Come on. You, how many, is that true? The whole sticks and stones? Seriously. I would rather, nine times out of ten, just throw a stick at me, please. Find a stick in the yard. Jenny, don't bring up the Isaiah thing again. I would throw a rock. Just not that big. Put that down. Take a little. <laughs> take a smaller rock. Smaller rock. I would much rather have sticks and stones because 
The, the truth of the matter is, from your childhood, every scraped knee that you had is healed. Every, every finger that got crunched in the door jam is better. You can write, you can type. Even if you only have nine fingers, you still manage, okay? It's healed. But if I were to sit down and ask you about some of the words that were thrown at you when you were a kid, you could tell me. I mean, in fact, you've got a list, and it's right at the tip of your tongue, isn't it? You know exactly what they are. You have them memorized. They're still there. There's this thing in here, the human tongue, weighing in a little more than two ounces, and that's what I want to talk to you about today is the human tongue. The human tongue has the power to shape relationships. It has the power to determine your job performance. It has the power to inform and and shape your sense of self-worth even your connection with God. It's a very powerful thing, and it's only two ounces of flesh and muscle, and it can do all that and more. Um, And you know this because you've been on the receiving end of words that were absolutely devastating, and you've been on the receiving end of words that were such an encouragement that it propelled you to do better than you ever thought you could do. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. If you brought a Bible, whoops, move over a little stool. If you brought a Bible, open it to the book of James. Stools bark, they don't meow. Um, Open it to the book of James, James chapter 3. James, by the way, is Jesus' brother. Half-brother, step-brother, however you want to work that out. Um, This is James, the brother of Jesus. And he wrote this letter in the New Testament. The book of James is actually a letter to Christians. He wrote this letter to Jewish Christians. And these were Jewish Christians who lived in and around Jerusalem and Antioch and and the parts close to Judea, right? So that's, that's who James is writing to. And these Christians had three problems, three problems that they were wrestling with, that they were struggling with. Problem number one was they weren't taking care of widows and orphans. And he gets hot and heavy in this letter. And he's like, man, if you're not taking care of widows and orphans, you're not even a Jesus follower. You're probably going to burn in hell. Well, he didn't say the second part, but he said the first part, okay? The second problem with these group of Christians is that they were showing favoritism to rich people. If you had money, you got a better seat. You got access to the apostles. I mean, it was just, and James got all hot and heavy about that. And then the other thing that these Christians were doing is that they were saying very hateful, hostile things to each other, which is why James talks about what he does in chapter 3. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. That's where we're going to be today. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. Uh, And there you have the first part. And I always read that and I go, why are you picking on teachers for crying out loud? Why not pick on like used car salesmen or I know politicians or BP executives? I mean, pick on somebody that's saying stuff that doesn't line up with reality, okay? For, you know, pick on us teachers. But as my wife, who has taught more than five years, will say, I'm a teacher. I talk a lot. It's what I do. And you can't escape teaching without the use of your tongue in large quantities. It's just how teaching works. And what what James is saying here is, hey, if you're a teacher, by the very nature of what you're doing, you got to be careful because you're using this two-ounce thing a lot. All right? And then he he says something else, verse 2. 
we all make many mistakes. Now, pause. Wouldn't that be like a great Christian bumper sticker? Go home, get one of those, like, you know, self-adhesive thing from Walmart. Make your own bumper sticker, and then you could, you know, because people put fish on the back of their cars. You could put, we all make many mistakes, James 3, 2, A. <laughs> and then, I mean, how many people, you're going to pull up into the lot, and people look at that and go, Man, ain't that the truth. <laughs> okay, you're not going to get much disagreement there. Okay, 2A, we all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. In other words, if you can control this two-ounce thing, you're doing really well. All right? Now we're going to go a little bit further, verses 3 and 4. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So here James uses a couple of everyday common things to illustrate something that he's talking about. The tongue. The horse in a bit. If you've ever ridden a horse, first of all, you're really high up. I mean, seriously. Have you ever been on a horse? You get up there and you look down. And it, all the, you start to think, okay, I don't have a helmet. If this thing is going 15 or 20 miles an hour and I get jettisoned off, I'm going to hear the life flight sound. <laughs> okay? It's going to happen, okay? Horses, it's, but this little itty-bitty piece of leather, come on, Seth, this little piece of leather and this little piece of metal is going to control this you know, animal that could kill me? And, and yet it does. But you somehow lose the reins or the bit or whatnot comes off and you have a runaway horse, you have a problem. A runaway horse can injure, can't kill, and maim. A runaway horse is a dangerous thing. Same thing is true with a boat. I kayak. I even have a little rudder on my kayak. And that little piece of plastic, if I turn it one way, the whole kayak, all 12, 14 feet of it, goes that direction. If you've been on Lake Cumberland in one of those pontoon boats or, God forbid, one of those houseboats, a little tiny thing and the whole thing's going, Bruh. that's why you slow down in the marina so that when you hit things, it costs less, okay? <laughs> but one of those boats at full throttle with the rudder gone, that's going to injure, maim, or kill somebody and then have a fireball explosion that you f see on WLEX, okay? What James is saying is that something small, something small can control something big. Your tongue can actually control your relationships, your job, your career, your future. And a runaway tongue can actually injure, maim, and kill. All right? Verses 5 and 6, he takes, takes it a little further and he says this, So also the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it's set on fire by hell itself. Those are, come on. Those are strong words, aren't they? I mean, he's not beating around the bush. It's not like, well, you know, you should probably watch what you say. <laughs> There's no sing-songy stuff in there. I mean, it's, you know, holy cow. It can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame. I mean, this is big, scary stuff. In the ancient world, see, today we have 911 and Dave Johns. 
Dave, if you don't know, is one of the battalion chiefs. He normally sits here, okay? And sometimes in church, you'll hear that, and he has to get up and leave, okay? Um, we have 911 and can call the fire department, and they come eventually and put out the fire. Back in the ancient world, fire was one of the most, fire was the scariest thing that they could think of. Because once a fire started, an out-of-control fire would consume everything. I mean, Rome burned twice. London burned to the ground. All they could do was run. Even Chicago, when they had, you know, sort of firemen, <laughs> sort of, burned, okay? Fire, without the fire department and fire hydrants, is bad. It's, you know, the only option you have is to leave everything and run for your life. Ah! Okay, that's, and so in the ancient world, a fire is a big thing. Well, well James takes it even further in verses 7 and 8. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an uncontrollable evil, full of deadly poison. Dogs, horses, dolphins, killer whales. We've all tamed these things. I mean, think about it. Go to SeaWorld. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to eat you. It's just the one time out of ten you got to worry about. Okay? But think about it. This thing that's designed to kill and eat does little tricks, and you get on it and ride around, and it, you know, boom, it's shamu, okay? We, we are able to tame all those things, but this, this two ounces of flesh, he's saying, watch out. That's the one thing that's just the, it's the hardest thing to tame. You and I know the power of the tongue all too well. John Eldridge says in his book, um, Wild at Heart, He says, every boy grows up wanting to hear his father say, you can do it. I believe in you. Um, And what often happens to these boys is uh, the exact opposite. It's summer, and this plays out at every swimming pool, by the way. If you're a man, go to one of the public pools, go to the Lone Oak Pool, the YMCA splash thing, and just sit at the edge of the pool as a man. Eventually, what will happen is that kids will start coming up to you, and they will start doing this. Watch this, and they'll do all their stunts. Why? Because you're a man, because you're watching, and they want to hear you go, kapow, that was incredible. Yes, it was. I am amazing. (laughs) You know, it's it's the weirdest thing. It happens every swimming pool every summer. It's just hardwired in us, okay? And Eldridge says, the very thing that boys especially, but all kids want and they want from their dad, it ends up, the words come the exact opposite. And what they hear from their dad is, you know, you're such a mama's boy. Why did I ever have you? Stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's a horrible wound. Well, the same thing is true in the opposite. Uh, Lori Beth Jones in her book, The Path, tells the story about uh, a New York City uh, girl from the hood. And this girl had a special little thing that she would do. She went to one of the nice office buildings in downtown Manhattan and would ride up and down the elevator. Now, if you know anything about New York and, you know, nice office buildings, the elevator doesn't run by itself. There's an attendant there, okay, and they push the buttons for you. You don't push them yourself. And so there was an older black man who manned an attendant who manned the elevator, and he would say to her consistently, you, you seem like a really smart girl. I bet in fact, I know someday you're going to work in an office just like this, seventh floor. And she would ride up and down and listen to that. Well, guess what? 
she went, into, went on to go to an Ivy League school, and she became a senior partner at one of the most prestigious firms in Manhattan. Is that a coincidence? No. She just was on the receiving end of some really good words that were sincere and, and heartfelt. This is what Proverbs uh, eighteen twenty one has to say. People can, uh, the tongue, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death and life, life and death. I know it's kind of a funny thing the way it's put there. Um, again, those two ounces can shape. Okay, we all know this, all right? So here's some questions I want to pose. One is obvious and one is one you would expect. The other question may come out of left field, but that's okay. And then I've got some practical advice. Here's question number one. And this is the obvious one. So if words are really that important, what are you saying to the people around you? I mean, what comes out of your mouth regularly? What are your trademark phrases? The ones that everybody, if they were to say, boom, that phrase, everybody go, boy, that's so Max, or that's so Janice, or that's so Danita, or whatever. You know, what are the things that come out of your mouth most regularly? Um, and if you don't know what those are, trust me, your spouse and kids and friends do. You may not want to ask. And if right now you're feeling a little uncomfortable or a little guilty, hang on. I've got good news. It's okay. Breathe. Okay. Here's the second question, which may not be so obvious. What are you saying to yourself? You know, I'm not a counselor. I don't play one on TV, but I read that counselors say this. Counselors say if they can change the self-talk of a person they can change the person. In other words, the person that goes around, oh, man, I am such an idiot. I am such an idiot. Eventually, they begin to believe that they're an idiot. Oh, yeah, see? It's the way it works, okay? So what are you saying to yourself? And it may not even be out loud. It may be the stuff you say to yourself in your head, but it's, you're still exercising that tongue and the power of words. So what are you saying to yourself? All right, so here, here's some practical advice. Uh, Practical advice, point number one. Read the book of James and the book of Proverbs. If, if what we're talking about today is hitting you in the eyes and you're like, yeah, I could use some speech therapy, so to speak. All right? <laughs> the God kind of speech therapy. Read through the book of James and read through the book of Proverbs between now and the end of July. Because literally every day you're going to come across something about the tongue in Proverbs. I mean, it's just, it's there. It's woven throughout that book, okay? So read James and Proverbs between now and the end of July. Second thing, this is obvious, but think before you speak. I mean, if you need some speech therapy, you know, it's what I tell uh, my two older kids, filter, engage, filter. (laughs) You know, because they'll say stuff to Jenny and I'm like, whoa, you got a death wish, you know, okay? You know, where to engage, think before you speak, okay? Just, you know, think before you speak, okay? And then the third thing, again, it's really simple, talk less. If, if you're in need of some speech therapy, just, mm, and, you know, it may, the blood may ooze from the bottom lip, but it's okay. A little blood is better than the consequences of the words. Um, and, and here's the good news. If, if, if what I'm talking about today and you're like, okay, great, I stink, I, the words, uncle, the words that have been coming out of my mouth of late are not words that I'm really proud of. And I, listen, I'm a glass half empty guy. I'm the kind of guy, I'm the wet blanket person. So when I come into a situation, it's my default setting is to 
that's wrong, that's broken, oh my goodness, we're all going to die, ah! okay, you know, that's me, okay? So, you know, sometimes when I say that to people nowadays in church land, they'll go, what, that's you? Yes, uh-huh, ask my family, I'm still working really hard in that arena right now, okay? And so if, and I'm not anywhere near what I used to be 10 or 20 years ago, so here's the good news, if I can change, and I'm a man in America, there's hope for you. There really is, all right? And God can help you dial these changes that you want to dial. And here's why this is important. If you're married or if you've got kids, you have the potential to do something better than your parents did. You have the potential through the words that you use to bless those people. That's what they want from you. And that's what you can give them is a powerful blessing through your words. And if, if you're not married, you don't have kids, you're like, okay, great, get out of jail free card. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When you use words to encourage and build up, like the guy on the elevator did to the girl, or like my band director did to me, Mark, I think you're a good saxophonist, but I think you make a great leader. When you can say those kind of things to people and mean it, you will never end, you will never want for friends when you die, your funeral will be the biggest funeral in town. This is how life works. And God wants to use you to impact other people that way. This is why this stuff is important. And, and here's the kicker. I know you may not feel like saying those things sometimes, but this is one arena. When it comes to the tongue, it's always better to just make the decision and say the things before the feelings come because you start doing that, the feelings will eventually come. The feelings come later, but make the decision now. 